This is a podcast from Minute Media. After all the Cubs talk, we're going out west. That's right, the baseball insiders. We're talking Dodgers. Fabian Ardaya, The Athletic. Robert, it's going to be a great show. You're here too. Robert Murray, Baseball Insider, starts right now. Bert, we got your guy on the show today, buddy. You want to introduce him? You want to give some background? Yeah, well, I'll actually be nice to him at the start here. Fabian Ardaya, Dodgers beat writer for The Athletic, longtime Robert Murray friend. Uh, Welcome to the show, buddy. Friend's a little strong, but glad to be here. You know, I mean, that that was nicer than I was expecting from you, so we'll take that. Let, let's get a little background here. Did you get, do you guys actually know each other before you became media superstars or is this just baseball friendship? Yeah, just baseball friendship at the start, at least. We met at the NLCS in Milwaukee, Dodgers Brewers, when I was at the Yeah, NFL. 2018. Yeah. Yep. That was uh, a time that changed your life for the better, huh? Would you agree with that, Fobbs? Uh, I don't know about that, but I sort of latched onto each other and that's sort of how it's been ever since. Yeah, I just clinged on to his leg for dear life ever since. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like baseball reporter love at first sight. I I, I love it. Uh, all right, lot ton of news here with your Dodgers here, Fabian. I mean, were you were you expecting the Corey Seager to Texas Rangers landing point? And how do you how's that reverberating in Dodger Nation right now from your perspective? I think the player in the landing spot sort of always made sense. I think you sort of heard from even before Corey Seager hit free agency, just how much of a good relationship he had with Chris Woodward, how much he was looking to maximize his value, how much the Rangers were willing to spend. So it all made sense. I think just the timing of it all uh, was a little bit jarring, especially to lose Scherzer and Seager on the same way that they did. Like That was obviously a big blow for the Dodgers, but I don't think either – neither – an isolated incident was necessarily unexpected. I think they sort of knew that Max Scherzer was going to have a huge market. They knew Corey Seager was going to have a huge market and that they would really have to have had to pony up uh, to really bring either of those two back. Obviously they wanted uh, to try to bring both of them back. And they said sort of in a vacuum, they like to bring all of their free agents back, but obviously like that's a really expensive vacuum. I think it's the thing I sort of come back to saying a lot just because it's hard to retain all those players, hard to retain all those players when you have to still worry about the rest of your payroll. Dodgers obviously aren't, haven't been worried about the CBT and they will inevitably cross it again, whatever it's set at after this lockout because of how much they still have to do this winter and where they already at, are at in terms of payroll. But yeah, I mean, they were not surprised necessarily to see Corey Seager go, but like to have him and Scherzer, two guys that, you think about Boris clients, usually they wait out the winner as much as possible. It was a little bit surprising to see them sign in November. Yeah. And like for you, Fobbs, like which one is a bigger blow for the Dodgers and which one is more difficult to replace? Scherzer or Seager? Uh, I think for the 2022 Dodgers, Scherzer might be the bigger one. Uh, but for the Dodgers long term, it's definitely Seager. Um, you sort of look at what the Dodgers needs are going into this winter and where they are now. It, it's a lot of starting pitching. And I think, the Dodgers do have an immediate replacement at shortstop and Trey Turner. That's probably why they part of why they traded for him is they can sort of still slide him over to shortstop. Um, but it's not like it's easy to replace him. It takes an MVP caliber shortstop to yeah. replace Corey Seager. It's just the Dodgers sort of planning for that contingency. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, they I think Seager might be long, a bigger blow long term just because of his bat and what. He's able to provide. Obviously, Scherzer was great for what they were able to provide. What he was able to provide for them, he still obviously 
the expectations he can still keep continue to p- keep pitching at this level and he got paid like that and he's defied age for this long but still the Dodgers have had uh have had a lot of great teams built around Corey Seager or having Corey Seager's bat in the lineup I think something that they really felt like they could sort of try to keep him just because he was someone who's homegrown someone so integral and knew what they were all about if the Rangers had called you up and said hey uh Hey, Fobbs, I don't know if we're on that level, but I'm going to call you Fobbs because I like when Bert does it. Hey, uh, what do you think about us giving 10 years and $325 million to Corey Seager, who has had some injury issues, but obviously went healthy, dynamic player, shortstop, hits from the left side, yada, yada, in his prime. I mean, what would you have said? Well, I would have said, obviously, like he, he was going to get paid this winter. Like I think you sort of look at this market. like He was going to get paid. And you saw, you've seen what the ceiling is. I think that's sort of what you're paying for is that ceiling where he can take over a postseason series or two like he did in 2020. He, he, when he's red hot, he's as hot as any hitter is on the planet. And even when he's not, he's still someone who gets on base, hits the ball hard. Uh, even like in the first couple months of the season before he broke his hand this year when he was sort of maybe settling into the season, like he was still well, well above the average hitter. Like he was still someone who was very solid. Uh, so you sort of you pay for that offensive upside. Obviously, there are, like you mentioned, there are some question marks, the injury stuff. Uh, one was Tommy John surgery and hip surgery in the same season, 2018. Pretty much got wiped out. This year was a little bit different, a fractured hand. So that's not necessarily something that you could say necessarily point to as an injury-prone type thing. It's more just a hazards of the job type thing. Uh, but obviously, the injuries are still a concern. And then his ability to stay at shortstop long-term, I think you look at what his 2021 was. His defense maybe slipped a little bit, especially on balls going to his right, his backhand. He maybe struggled a little bit. And there obviously are question marks about whether or not he could stay at the position that there have been since he got drafted. Uh, So this is something that you're sort of baking in is, all right, how long is he going to be your shortstop? How long is he going to – until he moves over to third base? I think that's probably part of why they brought in Marcus Semien as well. It's just someone who gives them that flexibility – if they ever do have to make that move, it's someone who's played shortstop before. Yeah, and we can also now shift our focus to a player the Dodgers actually retained, and that's Chris Taylor, four years for $60 million. Uh, I was curious, what did you think of that deal? Is that something that you thought was going to happen? I didn't think it was going to happen, but I thought it was necessary to happen. I think it wasn't going to happen just because of the market that Chris Taylor had and like how much money he probably could have gotten on that open market. Like The Dodgers obviously have a lot of appreciation for Chris Taylor. That's why they brought him back. They have a lot of interest in him. They understand what he, what he brings, but also they re- recognize that he's someone who's 31 years old. They weren't going to pay a hundred million for him. Oh. That type of thing. Like, but like there might've been teams that have been willing to get closer to that market, especially if there's a team out there that looked at Chris Taylor. So like, all right, he could be an everyday shortstop rather than this utility type guy. Uh, I think, I've said all along, like, I don't think the question is necessarily what is whether or not Chris Taylor can be an everyday shortstop, but whether or not that's the best use of him. Yeah. The best use of him, especially especially on a team like the Dodgers, is in that sort of utility role where he can sort of make everything easier on everyone else. And even now, uh, with Seager gone and t- uh, Trey Turner moving to uh, shortstop from second base, I don't know if you necessarily pencil in Chris Taylor as your everyday second baseman. You pencil him in as an everyday player, but like you can still bounce him around. Yeah. And I think it just makes a lot of sense, especially since Chris Taylor took the money he did to stay. Like he didn't necessarily look at the rest of the market where obviously there's a lot of teams that would love to have that type of a player. And you sort of saw that there that market is maybe growing for that type of player. But 
he wanted to be a Dodger, and uh, at least it seems like it. We haven't had a chance to talk to him because that happened like right before the lockout. Uh, and it, it's it's a perfect fit. Yeah, like actually, so like before the the Mariners ended up getting Adam Frazier, I thought he was. I thought Taylor was going to go to the Mariners. I thought that fit just made so much sense. But that would be perfect for history. That would add Jerry Depoto. That's his guy. Well, yeah. kind of, but. I'm just very excited for the fact that the Dodgers are taking a flyer on my guy, Carson Fulmer, who uh, was a great Chicago White Sox, damn it, and spent, <laughs> spent, spent, not great, but at least he was great in personality. Bob's, you'll like this guy if he uh, somehow finds it and it becomes uh, anything with the Dodgers. But once the lockout ends, how aggressive do you think the Dodgers will be going at the uh, premium free agents that are still out there? I don't know. Like, I don't know if you necessarily would say, like, a quote-unquote aggressive. I think that they're lurking. I think that's the best way to phrase it. I think that's sort of how the Dodgers have always approached free agency. Like, they're always just kind of there on the big guys. But there's not – there are very rarely open cases where they sort of, like, point, like, all right, this is our guy. Because, like, they've always been able to sort of jump in late on guys, jump in early on guys. You sort of saw when Bryce Harper was a free agent, they were a team that was all of a sudden in the mix late. Uh, that's sort of how – uh, developed with Trevor Bauer last year as well. Like they were just in the mix late. I think they're willing to survey the market and sort of look at what makes sense. And they still obviously have that financial might that they can use if they need to. And so I think when you look at some of the big free agents that are still available, uh, for, you can't really rule them out. I think Freddie Freeman, obviously, like, you can't really rule them out on Freddie Freeman, especially because they could use the left-handed bat now. Uh, even like a Carlos Correa, I don't think that's necessarily that are actively pursuing him but i just don't think that like if if all of a sudden we start seeing some reports that the dodgers are heavily in on him it it wouldn't necessarily be the biggest surprise in the world is i guess is what i'm saying uh so like you're sort of looking at the dodgers how they've approached this they haven't necessarily made the big swing always you know they can but the fact that they can is sort of always that threat that you sort of can't really count them out of anything what do you think happens with trevor bauer uh, I think I mean, it's tough to really say, but I, I think that sort of you look at how the Dodgers approach this. Obviously, they haven't really commented publicly at all on it, really. Uh, but you sort of look at it like I think they're looking at this like he's not going to pitch for them. Uh, and obviously, our, maybe the bigger question right now this winter is how much they're going to have to pay for of his contract this next year. And that that'll ultimately depend on MLB's discipline on him and any potential suspension, how that plays in. But like, yeah, as of right now, it's sort of like, he's not going to pitch for them and i don't know if he pitches for them again but we'll see like obviously time will tell no i know you and i have texted about this a little bit um but do you expect kershaw to come back like it seems at least from my end it's going to be dodgers or rangers i don't know if that's a fair assumption but like what do you think yeah i mean that's sort of like this what speculations kind of been has been like all right if he is ready to come back and pitch because he said he wants to pitch next year uh, or plans to pitch next year. He said that when he spoke in October after he got that PRP shot. Um, if he does plan to pitch, it, it seems like those are the two logical landing spots. Um, and the Dodgers have made it clear, like, even if it's like a s- separate part of their budget, it's like they would be willing to clear even more than usual for Kershaw if, if needed. Like, if they had brought back uh, Scherzer and Seeger already and they were already pushing up against it, like, they would obviously still green light a Kershaw reunion if needed, like that sort of situation. That's how they sort of view him differently from your standard free agent. 
I think it wasn't surprising to me at all that he didn't sign. Uh, or there wasn't really any chatter at all about him uh, before the lockout, just because of the timeline of his rehab and what he want. It seemed like he wanted out of it, uh, based off of what Andrew Friedman said, was sort of just uh, wanting to sort of wait until he was into his throwing program, see how he was feeling, and have a better gauge on like what type of deal he wants, whether he feels maybe he wants a one-year deal, if he wants yeah. a multi-year deal type of deal. And that would sort of let his market play out when it does. Uh, so I think that's sort of what people are waiting on and what Dodgers are waiting on. Well, obviously, it seems like those are the two obvious teams, but the Dodgers are really motivated to bring it back, probably even more so now because they really have a need at starting pitching. Yeah, and like, and that actually brings me into my next question for you. And so they've lost Scherzer and Seager. They've obviously brought back Taylor, but they have all these pending free agents and still some holes in the roster. From your end, do you think the Dodgers should be concerned about how the offseason has gone? I don't think so. Uh, I think just because, um, obviously, you're sort of looking at the rosters year to year. I think it would have been hard to replicate the amount of talent that was on that 2021 team as far as just upside talent. I mean, you're talking about, obviously, some of these guys aren't haven't completely lined up in the prime. Like It's multiple future Hall of Famers were in that clubhouse. I don't think you were going to look at that next year. I think you're still going to look at a very talented roster, and the Dodgers still do have a very talented roster. Um, and they still have rooms to, like room to add. Like, I think, obviously, a lot of the big free agents starting pitching has is off the market now. You sort of look at, like, a Robbie Ray or Kevin Gossman, those types of guys that you maybe look at. A lot of those, like, quote-unquote, smart teams were in on. Like, I would imagine the Dodgers probably had some interest in them as well. Yeah. But, like, they can still go out and add. They still go out and add in free agency through trade. Obviously, they probably have more to offer in terms of money and free agency than they do in prospect capital or prospects in a in the trade market. But like they still obviously have room to maneuver there. And I think the Dodgers sort of shown a habit of being able to go out and get a guy when they need a guy. What makes Andrew Friedman so good at his job in your mind? I think it's something that he says all the time is sort of like this quote-unquote like optionality i think the ability to have a part of it is obviously being luxury of having the dodgers be the dodgers and being able to have that sort of might behind you but like always having another option always being able to be have another move uh, that he can make i think is sort of like the biggest thing of his tenure there i think you sort of saw obviously that's how he got mookie bats i mean that's how they went out like you're looking at a team that was probably on pace to win 100 games last year, but they were in a division race and they needed pitching and it's not an opportunity to get Max Scherzer and they got Trey Turner too. Like I think those types of moves and be able to get a Trey Turner when you know Corey Seager is a free agent, like those are the types of moves to be able to set it up uh, that Andrew Freeman has really excelled at that. So I have a very hard-hitting question for you here, Fobbs. I know the answer sure. to this, but the public needs to know. What is your take on the Dodger dog? I don't really have necessarily the harshest take on it or anything like that. Like, I think it's, oh, come on. I'm not a huge Ooh. ballpark hot dog guy in general. I'll eat it, like, but like, I'll eat one, but like, I think it's fine. I think also they changed providers uh, for, uh, recently. So oh, it's not necessarily the same Dodger. Do- it's not the same typical Farmer John hot dog that people know and love. So I think, uh, it's fine. Like it's a hot. Do- it's honestly, it's a hot dog to me. Obviously, like it's different. Like it's shaped differently and stuff like that. But like at the end of the day, most hot dogs are pretty similar to me. 
Let, let me okay. get, let, let, hold, hold on a second here. I get, cause it's a Chicago guy. I got to get in here. Do, what, what do you put on your hot dogs, Fobs? What's your, what's your move? Uh, this is going to sound boring, but I'm usually like a plain guy. Just cause I hate the mess. I hate mess. So in hot dog. Well, here's the thing. Like most of the time when I'm eating a hot dog is that when I'm at a baseball game and most of the times now when I'm at a baseball game, I'm working. So I don't want to create like a messy workstation. So I think that's my biggest. It's more out of convenience than anything else. Yeah, see, that's where you and I differ. Is like I, I wouldn't have thought of that. I would have just gotten ketchup all over my keyboard or mustard. Too. Actually, mustard is well, a superior hot dog condiment. That's Dodger Stadium cool. has chili, chili and cheese set up with their hot dogs. Oh my one. god! That's so a whenever they, yeah, whenever they have them set up in the press box. So well, I, I try to. Conspiracy. That sounds amazing. You're just right? trying to get me angry, Robert. Oh, hey, you know, that's my goal. It took 20 minutes for me to get you angry, but we, we need to do it on the pot here. I, I, I've Just for the record, the first ever baseball I caught at a game was at Dodger Stadium. It was off the bat of Carlos Zambrano. He squared around a bunt. I had very good seats. He popped it over the home plate screen. I had an easy catch. It was my first midlife crisis when I was in my early 30s, quit my job, broke up with my girlfriend, went and traveled around and watched some baseball and uh, was able to make that play. Uh, I came to Dodger Stadium thinking the Dodgers fans were terrible, Fabs. Like you show up in the third, you leave in the seventh, you guys are are awful uh but but i just for the record i i have some a uh, newfound respect but the stadium itself can't can't they figure out a better way to do this isn't there is aren't there some creative people like so you can get in and out of the parking lot better because this is not what dodger fans deserve it's not what any baseball fan deserves do you ever have this thought process i think the parking lots are still one last thing the dodger fans have to blame frank mccord for so i think they're i think they're kind of fine with that just having something else to hold over them because i think they really did not were not happy with his ownership uh that's one thing that that's sort of out of their control but i think some of the stuff that with around the ballpark that they've done the last year or so for the all-star game like honestly as someone who went to them went to the ballpark immediately before and afterwards it's been a lot it's really nice now i think it was nice before but i think i really like the changes that they made obviously some of the elevators make it easier to go up and down as someone who needs that main elevator usually to get to the press box i'm very glad that there's a lot less traffic on that elevator now uh also like some of the stuff the centerfield plaza i think they it's really been well done i think obviously like that's a ballpark that's pretty timeless yeah okay so i'm glad you mentioned the media elevator is it still the slowest thing in baseball or like is that actually upgraded it is still the slowest thing in baseball, but luckily they changed the place because of COVID where we enter the ballpark. So uh, we can use a secondary elevator that's a lot faster. Hello. Uh, you got to like but, that. Yeah. That's, I, I do like that they changed where we park and get into the ballpark. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's still anytime you have to use that main elevator, it's, it's still a tough time. Like that's the main elevator that everyone uses, including players. And sometimes, yeah. Obviously, if a player's trying to go down, like that's more of a priority than you going to the press box. I think uh, the elevator attendant will follow that, which yeah. makes sense. Hey, um, we'll we'll beg to differ on that. We'll, we'll have keep the lights opinion. on. Yeah, you're more important than than uh, well, whoever I'm trying to think of. Everybody yeah, in the Dodgers. See, see, let, let me go the other way because I I personally don't care how uncomfortable the media is, but I do care about the fans who. Uh, I don't know. This this is a California thing, right? That you can't have beer vendors. I find that to be uh, very offensive. If you are willing to pay the price to be at Dodger Stadium, you should be able to have a beer 
brought to your seat, even if you're on the in, on any level, which is another thing, by the way, about Dodger Stadium. If you have a ticket on the third level, I don't think you can get down. You actually have access to your level. So for those of us who like to buy the cheap seat and then sneak down to the availables, which is a pride and true American tradition, you can't do that at Dodger Stadium. Where you can, by the way, at Miller Park, um, you know, that's it's, it's much more accessible. So if you can make these changes, Fobs, we need beer vendors and we need accessibility to all levels. That's what I think we got it. At least that's what it was when I was there. I will say my hot take is like the best seat in the park at Dodger Stadium is the top of the park. I think that's the best seat in view as there is as good of a seat in view as there is in baseball. And that's actually where like the old media entrance used to be. So you sort of like would get that view before you went down. I still think that's the best view of the ballpark. So I think it, honestly, the people in the cheap seats are, are doing it right. Yeah, like this is a rare time I'll actually agree publicly with Fobbs. Like that, he's <laughs> he's never spoken more true words in his life. I'm in. Net four, is it the fourth level? What do they call it? Is that the 400, the 600? Uh, top, top deck. They just call it top deck. Top deck. Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is, this is important stuff here. All right. Um, we'll end with baseball, I guess. Your, your number one prediction of what the Dodgers do whenever this lockout ends, like one player that shows up at, uh, in, in 2022, you want to put, you put your, uh, your best guess out there? Uh, I, I could do the cop-out answer and just say Clayton Kershaw because I think that they, it'd be hard to see him in another uniform. So that's just the easy slam dunk answer. What would be the hard, I don't want you to quote me, but I might say that this could happen. Don't quote me, 10% chance. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see if they bring in Freddie Freeman. I don't, I don't necessarily ha- know how likely that would be, but I think it'd be really kind of interesting and the kind of move that makes sense for the Dodgers because, because like all the different roster machinations you can sort of do with that. Obviously, you can move back someone to second base. You have another left impactful left-handed bat. He's someone who is still as good of an offensive player as there is in baseball or consistent. And like he obviously is someone who can maybe help make it easier to lose uh, – Corey Seager. So I think he's someone who obviously is very interesting, but he's another guy that's sort of like Kershaw. It's hard to see him in another uniform until you have to see it. Yeah. Bert, you got any anything else for your guy here before we say goodbye to the, on the Baseball Insiders on this beautiful Thursday, December the 9th? Yeah, I uh, I was just surprised that we haven't ripped into me more. Uh, I was fully expecting to have my ego uh, just shattered, but uh, good, 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 you good, had to be good job uh, bringing that up. Uh, what, uh, what's your uh, mo- <laughs> what, what's your most annoying thing about Robert Murray? If I was like, if you could, you know, oh, there's you- a lot. <laughs> yeah, there's there's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> I, I could just go with like the recent ones, not like the all time ones. Like it was it was a month ago that he sent me a photo of a pizza that didn't have cheese on it. That's not a pizza. Oh, dude, that was the worst looking pizza I've ever seen in my life. Like, because it wasn't a pizza; it didn't have cheese on it. Yeah, it was. Oh, dude, that was bad. And yeah, actually, that it's not like it was buried under sauce. Like, there's just no cheese. Yeah, that was. Oh, that was bad. Also, you, you want to mention the avocado story publicly here? Oh, yeah. I mean, you didn't hold an avocado until like what the year 2019. So I literally like took you to a grocery store place an avocado in your hand just to get rid of it like of that like stupid anomaly of like food i guess ignorance yeah that's a good way but like because without fabian like or like before i met fabian i was the most uncultured human being you will ever meet in your life kind of are that's oh, fun I, i'm making progress <laughs> but it's uh yeah it's it's basically a full-time job trying to 
trying to get me out of my whatever you want to call it state. It just I'm not very good. Let's just say that. This is good. You're you're you've you've you're you're friending up here, Bert. He's 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 opening up your world. Darn right. I'll tell you, like without him, like him, like he introduced me to a lot of different stuff. Katie Wu actually introduced me to brunch, even though I've gone to brunch with Fabian and Carrie Crowley, but I was too hungover to eat anything, so I didn't participate. Um, but yeah, I've, I've learned a lot lately. So brunch Intr- is very good. I don't know if you knew that, but it's good. Introduced to brunch, indeed. Like. Very good. That's that's an interesting comment right there. Uh, you didn't realize <laughs> that you could eat later on the weekends and it could be a whole thing. Is that what you didn't understand? I'm, I'm confused. I, I just didn't realize it was like an, an actual like celebrated thing where you could actually go to a restaurant and get something for either breakfast or lunch. And <laughs> it was just have you never been to a diner, Bert? I mean, I've I've been to a diner, but like, I mean, I just didn't. It, it blew my mind. Like I got chicken and waffles at like 1030 in the, in the after or 1030 in the morning uh, with Katie in St. Louis. By the way, we ended up sitting right next to Harrison Bader, um, which I was, I, we, I've gone to brunch with Katie twice and I've seen Bader both times. So I guess he might be following us. Brunch is good, Bert. You get bloody Mary's have a mimosa or just, just, just pound down the coffee and have all your chicken and waffles you want. Slash. Oh, slash. Yeah. However you want to do it. Um, hey, Fabian, appreciate you being on and, 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 and bringing Robert to the next level all at the same time. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I should probably send you a check in the mail, Fobbs, because like, that's going to be an expensive one for what you've you, done for me. You, you'll pay it back in another way. Right, yeah, Fobbs? Right. You, don't need, you don't need money. I'm, I'm hoping so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, I wouldn't get your hopes up. <laughs> I'll just bring you down to my level. Oh no! <laughs> All right, a look at the Dodgers, the Baseball Insiders, uh, rolling on here in a lockup. That's right, nothing. We we will not be stopped. So, uh, hey, should be interesting, and a lot of names out there. I, I like the Carlos Correa mention, especially like could that that would make me sick, and that's not what I want to see happen. But uh, who knows what will be going on here uh, with a lot of changes out at Dodgerland. Fabian, appreciate you being on. Thanks for having me. We will see you next week. Subscribers, we have uh, massive love for you. So leave a rake, leave a rating and review and tell a friend. We love you. Bert, say goodbye. And if you guys do that, by the way, we'll be best friends and pen pals. So there we go. Best friends, pen pals. We'll see you next week.